The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. All right, everybody, I know that uh, you really love and enjoy that time of fellowship with one another, and that's one thing we really love here at the King's Chapel. But hey, a lot's going on, and obviously this is not Pastor Mark Jeske, so we actually like to congratulate, uh, if you didn't know and you didn't see the newsletter that went out, so Beth was due around 21 February, and little Hannah Jeske had other plans, so Hannah, was born this past Thursday, so Beth and and Hannah are doing fine at home. But it's interesting the way the Lord works because Pastor Bill, Pastor Milton are both out of state. Pastor Brian and Pastor Tyler are out of country. So we're quickly running out of pastors, but um, you know, the Lord provided, and this is a neat opportunity, and I believe that he's ordained what you're gonna hear today purposely, he knew already. What, what we, uh, the message that, that Pastor Rick Ryder, so Rick has been a, a friend of the King's Chapel for many years, actually, and he's the senior pastor and founding pastor of Church of the Free in Chantilly, yep. and he was available, and he has a passion, his heart is actually to bring, you know, to really not see the walls of our churches uh, as barriers, but to actually bring the body of Christ together across different churches, so we're very thankful Rick, that you're available today. So please uh, welcome Pastor Rick Ryder. Thank you. Well, it's uh, my privilege to be here. I uh, actually attended the King's Chapel in the 90s and was at Sydney Lanier. So it's, it's nice to be here. Um, I led Chris Craddock to the Lord, so we could spend our whole morning talking about Chris Craddock if you like. Um, we, we're not going to. Um, but I know many people here, I've actually spoken at the youth retreat, I think, three times. So it's, it's nice to be with you all again. Um, by way of introduction, I thought I'd share some tales of woe. Um, I know sometimes it's, it's nice to be with people and share tales of woe. I've got some tales of woe for you. Um, and one of them is this. I'm really surprised I'm here because two weeks ago... On a Sunday, I was sitting in my house, and I wasn't really even allowed to leave the house. Doctor's orders. I had to stay in, in the house. I had to be a couch potato for the entire weekend. And the reason was, is about three weeks ago, I started seeing light flashes in my right eye. And uh, I started seeing some light flashes in my right eye. I, I grew a little bit concerned, because it wasn't just like a light flash here or there. I know that can be somewhat normal, but I was seeing like every five to 10 seconds, I was seeing this uh, big flash of light in my right eye. And I knew enough, I'd known someone who had a detached retina, I knew enough, I was like, I was a little concerned, but I called up my wife's eye doctor, I didn't have one, I've got good vision, so I've never, I haven't been to an eye doctor in years. So I called them up and I said, hey, uh, I'm not a patient, my wife is, I'd like to be one. And I told them what was going on, and they, they said, um, you need a retina specialist and you need one now. So I, I called up a retina specialist and they were able to get me in in a couple days, but I realized the gravity of the situation the more I talked to them. And, and I started to become really concerned because I, I wanted to get in there quickly before my uh, retina detached because I thought it was what was happening. And uh, as, as I wrestled with that, uh, some fear started coming in about uh, losing vision, uh, fear of what the recovery might be, fear of uh, uh, surgery and all that kind of stuff. And so some fear started to come in with that. I was a little bit too young to be getting that, uh, so I know some people here probably have experienced this, but it was disconcerting to me. 
And, and as it was disconcerting, I, I started to get more and more worried about it. And I started to pray. And as I, I prayed, I asked the Lord, like, well, do I need to be concerned about this? What's going to happen? I can't get in there till Wednesday. Like, like what, what are you going to do? And, and this is what I heard back from the Lord is, I, I, I'm going to hold it together. But um, as much as I heard that from the Lord, it was still disconcerting to me. And, and so with that, I, I was facing the uh, likelihood of uh, a detaching retina. And so I, I was concerned about that. And after I, I got uh, in there, they, they did say, you know, like 80 to 90% of these resolve themselves. But I got in there, he, he looked around and goes, oh, you fall in the 10%. And so I, I actually had a tear and I fell in the 10%. It, it's not going to heal itself. And uh, that day in the, in the office right there, they did a laser treatment procedure and they, they fixed my eye. I, I should be fine. They told me to look out for light flashes. And if I saw light flashes, that would be a problem, but uh, I should be good to go. Well, the next night, my wife and I go down to DC. We're going to a concert and uh, all I see are light flashes all over again. And it just freaks me out all over again. And this is what they told me to watch out for. This is one of the, the big signs. And so I go in the next day and uh, they look at it and he's like, okay, everything's good. It's holding, but you shouldn't really be seeing light flashes. So this weekend you got to be a couch potato. You can't even leave the house. Like just, just be as, as still as you can, as calm as you can, and just, just don't, don't do anything. And then I, I got through the weekend. But as I sat in a chair that weekend, here's one of the things I felt like I heard from the Lord. is like, are you going to get your comfort from me or are you going to get it somewhere else? And I know a lot of us have tales of woe, and, and um, this, is, this is one of my tales of woe. Um, but the question always is, in a tale of woe, where's your comfort going to come from? It, it could be a, a medical issue. It could be another issue. It could be a financial issue. It be whatever it is, the question is always, where will your comfort come from? And we always have a choice. Where are you going to get it? So in my life, I've, I've had a series of uh, events that I never really wanted in my life. Um, but I've had moments throughout them where the question always is, where are you going to get your comfort? Uh, about a year ago, our um, house got mold in it. And uh, our, our situation was pretty bad. So bad, we actually had to move out of the house. Uh, we had to live outside of our house for seven months, maybe eight. They had to renovate the house from the top to the bottom. Every aspect of our house uh, had to be fixed because mold was everywhere. And every other week, I get a phone call from the guy working on the house. He goes, you won't believe what we found this time. It started off just being something in the basement, something, something we thought was small. Like I, I was worried about having to tear a ceiling down because I knew that was going to cost a lot of money. Um, but what happened was uh, they tear the ceiling down, then they tore a wall down. Then they went upstairs and they found out, oh, we got rid of all the flooring on the middle level. Then it was all the flooring on the top level. And every few weeks, there was another call. There was another call of big bucks, like we got to fix this. Oh, and by the way, insurance doesn't cover a dime. And so I, I was I, a tale of woe, like how am I going to pay for this? And, and every phone call wasn't, hey, we fixed this. Every phone call was, you won't believe what we found now. It's a tale of woe. And um, I could go on and I could tell you story after story, but the reality is, is that you have tales of woe also. We could sit here and talk about tales of woe. But this morning, I don't really want to talk about tales of woe, because I know we all have them. I really want to talk about tales of woe. Because there's something in Scripture that we have to own, that we have to know, we have to live out. When, when hard times come, because they come to all people, and it's not worth comparing pain, but, but pain is all around us. There's pain that's emotional, and there's pain that's physical. There's pain that's financial. There's pain that's in isolation. Uh, there's pain that's all around us of all kinds. 
And it's really not worth comparing. What's pain to one person and and pain to another, it doesn't really matter. Pain is pain. And and we all have different levels of pain, but it doesn't matter. The level is what are you going to do in your moment of hardship, in your moment of pain, in your moment of adversity? What are you going to do? In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going to read to us uh, the verses 3 through 4. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Uh, a lot of the letter of Corinthians is about uh, Paul talking about the hardships he experiences. But I, I love how it starts here. It says, praise. Every hardship should start with praise. Now, I, I know that oftentimes hardships start with a, a different word. It's usually complaining. See, hardships should have praise, not complaining. It says praise God, and why do we praise him? He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort. See, your hardships, my hardships, are an opportunity. They're an opportunity to experience God as he is, as a comforter. And I'll tell you, you cannot know God as a comforter unless you need comfort. It's impossible. You can hear about other people telling you what God did for them, but until you experience it, you can't know him as a comforter. Paul was able to write here, praise God, uh, he's a God of all comfort, because Paul needed comfort. And most of that letter is about the tragedies that he experienced. But you and I, when we have a hard season, it's a chance to praise. It's a chance to change a tale of woe into a tale of wow. You know, everybody wants a Red Sea moment. That you want to see that moment where the Red Sea parts. But no one wants a Red Sea. Everybody wants the story of the Daniel and the lion's day. Like, how cool would that be? But no one wants the lions or the den. See, the only way to know God as a deliverer, the only way to know God as a provider, the only way to know God as a comforter is to need him to be those things. And so these moments in our lives that are hard can turn into moments of praise because we get to experience the God of all comfort. I like that word all. Because again, pain, it doesn't matter. There's all kinds of pain. There's a pain of waiting for things that haven't come yet. There's a pain of losing things that have uh, disappeared way before it should have. There's pain. But what happens is, he's the God of all comfort. So it doesn't matter if it's a really big pain or if it's a really small pain, he has comfort for all of us in all of our pains of every kind. He's the God of all comfort. The thing is that we have to go to him for our comfort no matter how big or how small. Sometimes our pain is self-inflicted. You can still go to him because he's the God of all comfort. The reality is, will you go to him? So when you and I are in a hardship, the question always is, where are you going to get your comfort? Is it going to come from me? Or is it going to come from somewhere else? And what happens, he says, is the God of all comfort. Sometimes we feel like God doesn't care. Why would he care about this pain? Maybe it's not big enough, or maybe it's too big, or maybe it's self-inflicted. We think, oh, well, maybe God doesn't care about that. Well, the good news is it says, praise be to the um, Father of compassion, you know, compassion, I, I looked up, it means concern for the suffering. So it starts off, it says he's the father of compassion, which means he has concern for your suffering. 
At any time my son has a pain, no matter how great or how small, I have great concern from him. Anytime you're experiencing pain, no matter how great or how small, he has concern for you and what you're going through. And that's why you go to him. He's the father of all compassion. Father means he's the generator of compassion. He's the source of compassion. He's the source of comfort. He's the generator or start of comfort. Praise be to God in moments of trouble because he's the God of all comfort. And he comforts us in all of our troubles so we can comfort uh, those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You and I have to receive comfort. Now, I, I know many people have memorized this verse. And for those who memorize this verse, this verse can be comforting. And it can also uh, keep us from experiencing God's comfort. And I'm going to tell you why and how. Because if you memorize the verse, then we quickly jump to the so that part. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And oftentimes we look more for the ministry opportunity than actually receiving the comfort from the Lord. So you and I have to receive comfort. And sometimes it takes a while to receive it. To receive comfort means that you have to be humble to say, I need something. To receive comfort means to be willing to go through the pain and to acknowledge the pain so you can get comfort. If you won't acknowledge it, if you continue to die, if you continue to push it aside, you can't get the comfort God has for you. The hard part is to receive it. And, and sometimes we, we jump so quickly to ministering to others that we actually miss the comfort God has for us in the season. So no matter what your pain is this morning, and I know that um, the reality is that many people um, for the last few years have been experiencing a lot of hard things. Have you experienced his comfort or just hard things? It's the God of all comfort. It goes on, and I'm going to skip down to verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Paul's writing, he says, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. So we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, we would not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raised he says it was far beyond our ability to endure. What Paul's saying is it was beyond his ability to endure what he was going through. What that tells me, and I think that's really comforting to me, and I'll, I'll tell you why, is that guy is really spiritual. There's a guy who walks with God. There's a guy who has to take He wrote most of the New Testament, and yet he got to a place where his pain was greater than he could endure. If he can get there, it gives me permission to be there too. But with it, he says, it was far beyond our ability to endure. Sometimes pain is so great, it brings us to the end of ourselves. And to be brought to the end of yourself is a good thing. When you and I are brought to the end of ourselves, if our pain is so great that it seems like I cannot go on another day, you're finally in a good place. Because that's where God says, good, now I can comfort you. Good. Now you can experience something from me I couldn't give you before. Good. Now you can rely on me instead of yourself. I was waiting for you to stop relying on yourself. Sometimes pain increases and sometimes troubles increase because he's bringing us to the end of ourselves. Now, in my life, um, 
one of the things I'm more naturally, um, tendency my characteristics, I, I'm more naturally patient. I'm a fairly patient person. Uh, just in, in my own uh, makeup, just kind of my personality, I'm just kind of a patient person. But I, I reached an aspect of my life where because of the things that were going on around me and the frustrations and different things were happening, I actually said to God, I'm like, I, I've, I've reached the end of my patience. When are you going to do something? I need you to move. I need you to act. I need you to change this. I need you. I'm out of patience. And here's what I heard back. Good. Now we can use mine. You know, patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now we can use mine. I had to be brought to the end of my patience to realize there's a patience I knew nothing about. Sometimes I have to reach the end of my comfort to realize there's a comfort I know nothing about. In this season of my life, the Lord is teaching me about his comfort. He's showing me the depths of it, and I'm embracing him as he's embracing me and comforting through many hard things. Far beyond our ability to endure. And it says this, uh, so we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Do you know God, he raises dead things. He raises dead relationships. He raises dead finances. He, he raises um, dead opportunities. And quite literally, he has and does raise the dead. He, he will raise you at the last day. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, death has got no sting to it. It is not the end. There's a resurrection. He raised Lazarus from the dead. But remember, this God who raises the dead and the God who knows about good endings, he's also the, the one who, when Lazarus died, and he knew he was going to raise him from the grave, who also wept with Mary and Martha because their brother had experienced the taste of physical death. So he can still be the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, even when he knows the end of the story, because he weeps with us in the moments of our pain. Will you let him weep with you? Will you weep with him? Will you experience him as the God of all comfort? See, hardship tells us what we rely on. Are we relying on ourselves? Or are we relying on him? See, hardship should bring praise because comfort elicits praise. But sometimes it's, it's hard in a moment of hardship to figure out how to interact with, with God in a moment like this. In Psalm 46, there's a, a well-known verse. It says, um, be still and know that I am God. See, in, in your hardship and in my hardships, our difficulties, it's hard to be still. And one of the reasons it's hard to be still is because oftentimes hardships breed anxiety, don't they? They make us anxious. The things we worry about, the things we, we worry about that are coming down the pike, the things that we are like, what's going to hit next? Like, it just breeds anxiety. But this verse says, be still and know that I am God. And I know this verse, and I've meditated on this verse before, but in this season, um, recently the Lord just kept reminding me about this verse, and it kept coming up and coming up. I was like, well, well maybe, maybe I should look at this a little bit more. 
And so as I, I meditated on it more, I was like, well, what, what if I actually just dive into this be still thing a little bit more? I wonder what that says in Hebrew. What does it really mean to be still? What does it mean to be still and know that I'm God? So I, I listen to Hebrew, and there's an alternate uh, translation to that. It's be still is a good translation, but there's an alternate one, which is relax. That could really resonate with that. Relax. It, it felt so much different to me. Relax and know that I'm God. Relax. You got a medical issue. Relax. Know that I'm God. Relax. You got a financial issue. Relax. I've got all the money in the world. I take care of the birds and the sparrows. I can take care of you. Relax. You got relationship issues. Relax. I mend things. Relax. And so I, I thought about this verse. I'm like, okay, relax and know that I'm God. And I started thinking, well, this is Psalm 46, verse 10. My guess is there's probably something else in this psalm that it would tell me something about God. If I focused on it, I could probably relax. And so I looked at Psalm 46.1. Just to figure it out, I might as well read through the psalm. And in Psalm 46.1, I didn't have to get very far, because Psalm 46.1 says, let me get this. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And I was like, wow, okay. Well, God's three things. He's my protection. He's my strength. And he is my help. And if I know those three things, well, then I can relax. So as I thought about that more and as I uh, spent some time with the Lord about it, he's like, yeah, well, why don't you talk to me about it? So I, I did something I want to encourage you to do. I thought about all the places in my life I needed help. And I wrote them all down. And I even asked the Lord, would you show me places I need help in that I'm not even thinking of right now? And, and I gave him an opportunity to bring some things to mind. And, and I had a long list. And then I took that list. And I said, God, this is all the places I need help. And I named them back to him one by one. And I said, I need help with this. And I need help with that. And I, I need your help to do this. And I need your help over here with this as well. And as I took all those things, I said, here's where I need help. Then I said this, now I'm going to relax and let you be God. I did the same thing with all the places I needed strength. I read on a whole other list and I said, God, here's all the places I need strength. No, I'm going to relax. I'm going to let you be God. And then I took all the places I needed protection, refuge, protection. I wrote them all down. I said, God, I give them all to you. No, I'm going to relax. I'm going to let you be God. See, the only way to relax is to know that he has it and I don't. What things do you need, God, to be your help, your strength, and your protection? And will you take them to him? And will you give them to him? And will relax and know that he is God? That was a very powerful time for me when I did that. I, I encourage you uh, to focus on that if you could. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses uh, 10 through 11, uh, they read this way. He's delivered us from such a deadly peril. This is what Paul, again, speaking about. His hardship was a deadly peril. He will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, that many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted to us 
in answer to the prayers of many. One of the things, there's many I could pull out of this verse and, and um, much we could dive into, but for the sake of time, we're not going to dive into a lot. There's one thing here I really want to dive into. I, I've heard uh, from, from Mark and from Mike, you guys are a, a praying church and seem to be even more of a praying church. And this is saying we should pray, right? And here's what it says about prayer. This is really important. If you want to become a praying church, you have to be willing to do something that says here, which is you have to be willing to share prayer requests. There's a reason we share prayer requests. And there's a reason why we tell others of the things we need prayer for. And it, it tells us right here exactly why. It says that, let me read it to you again. Verse 11, as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Who's going to give uh, thanks to God? It's the people who are praying. If you share your prayer requests, guess what? Other people pray. Then if God moves, you know what happens? Everybody who prays goes, wow, look what God did. And if you and I share our prayer requests, then we give opportunity for other people to say, wow, that's awesome. I, I love what God has done, and we can all rejoice together. If I keep it to myself, then I get to praise God and go, whoa, look what you did. But if I share their prayer request, then I get to um, praise God, and so do the people around me. You know, I was in this passage not for a sermon today. I was in this passage because my eye was bothering me. And the Lord took me to Corinthians a few weeks ago. And I'm sinking into it. And um, I, I read this, and as I read this, I was like, okay, I got to tell my church about my eye. I, I, I have to tell them. Because I don't know what God's going to do. He hasn't done it yet. I don't know what he's going to do. But I, I need to tell him so that uh, others can rejoice when, when he does something. So I went ahead and told him. Had him pray for me. Now one of the things that, about that also is that sometimes God's comfort comes in the form of, of many things. Sometimes it comes in the comfort of people praying for us. Sometimes it comes in the form of someone with a timely word. Sometimes it comes in, in the form of God providing something unexpected. And it comes in many different forms. But one of the things that I felt in my own personal time that God kept telling me is every time I worried about my eye and I hadn't gotten to the doctor yet, but I knew I had a problem and I, I knew I knew what was going on. I knew that I had to tear somehow. And with it, every time I talked to the Lord about it, he goes, I will hold it together. I will hold it together. Well, I shared my prayer request with my church. And one of the people wrote back and said, this is what I'm praying for you. They're praying Colossians chapter 1. It says, in him all things hold together. Do you know how comforting that was to me? That someone else would say back to me the very thing that I heard the Lord say in my spirit. I didn't get it from scripture. I got it in prayer and then quoted me the scripture that reinforced what God had been telling me. I didn't say what I was praying for. I didn't say what I felt God was telling me. I just said, can you pray for my eye? I've got light flashes and I got to get into a doctor to see what's going on. And that's what I heard back. See, when you share prayer requests, not only do you get comfort from other people, but other people can then praise God. I got to call that person back and go, you won't believe this. That's what he's been telling me. We both rejoice together. Share prayer requests. The other thing is that hardships, they're not unique. Sometimes we think we're the only one going through it. No, lots of people are going through stuff. And sometimes you get comfort from someone else because you shared your prayer request. And someone else can say, I've, I've been through that too. And so sometimes it comes just in that vulnerability and the humility to say, here's what I'm going through. 
Continue to share the, the things that you have so that um, God can comfort you through the body as well. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, you know, so I'm skipping ahead, but the whole letter is about um, hardship. It says this, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing powers from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the body of death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so his life may be revealed in our mortal body. Again, a lot in this that you could meditate on later, but notice it says we have this treasure. It's treasure. You see that? We have this treasure in jars of clay. A jar of clay is a delicate item. It's fragile. It can be broken, and it's, it's earthen. It doesn't look like much either. Um, it's common. To show this all-surpassing power is from where? Not us, but God. As I was thinking about this, um, again, the Lord's had me in this passage because I'm thinking about the things I've been going through. The Lord said, it's kind of like a pinata. You ever play with a pinata? I'm sure you've seen one, you know. It doesn't look like much, but what happens is you got this pinata and, and then someone's going to beat it. Someone's going to hit it. Someone's going to press it. Someone's going to crush it. Someone's going to come against it. And, and when it comes against it, what eventually happens well, the treasure comes out. Do you know you're like a pinata, not a punching bag? See, people who are victims and people who have hardships, who see themselves as a victim, see themselves as a punching bag. You are not a punching bag, you're a pinata. See, a punching bag just takes a beating. A pinata shows off the treasure that's inside. See, see, what happens is when, when hard things come and when, when things hit and when things strike and when things uh, come against you, what is revealed is the treasure, this all-surpassing power of God that's alive in us. First Peter will actually say this, that people will ask you one day, why do you have the hope that you have? Because when you and I respond, because we have a God of all comfort and we respond to hard things in a way that uh, they don't know how you're still standing, you would be able to say, oh, well, see, there's this thing. I, and God is carrying me through this. And we get to share about who our God is, this treasure that's inside. Be a pinata, not a punching bag. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, therefore we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Our troubles are momentary and light in the comparison of eternity. They're momentary. It doesn't feel like it. See, every hardship feels like an eternity, doesn't it? But it isn't. Our life is but a mist. And our God has something better for us. But he is not slow in returning. He's patient, not wishing for anyone to perish. Why do bad things happen? One, to reveal his glory. And two, because he's patient. And it may not be for, patient for you. It may be because there's someone else who doesn't yet know him. That he's waiting desperately to come unto him. See, God's not slow in returning and bringing us out of this place that is broken and hard. He is patient, wanting to pull as many people out of here who will receive him as king. I wanted to um, end with another practical thing because I think 
We can talk about comfort, but it's, it's got to be practical. And I, I think uh, you know, Psalm 46 is highly practical, and it's, it's brought a lot of comfort to me, and, and I really encourage you, please, please do that. It, it will change the way you see difficulties. But Psalm 62.10 also has the ability to change the way you see and experience the Lord. In Psalm 62.10, it says this, Trust him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. It says pour out your heart. What it means is take all of the emotions, all the things that you're feeling, all the, the stuff, and pour it out. Don't hold on to it. Let it out. And sometimes we feel like, oh, I, I shouldn't uh, feel this. I shouldn't feel anger. I shouldn't feel sadness. I shouldn't feel um, anxiety. I, I shouldn't feel these things. No, no, no. There's a reason why you're feeling it. Something's happened. But what you and I have to do is not ignore it. We have to pour it out. Don't hold on to these things. Because if you hold on to them, it leads to depression. If you hold on to them, it leads to bitterness. If you hold on to them, it leads to complaining. If you hold on to them, it'll destroy you from the inside out. But the Lord says, pour out the heart. So tell them, where are you angry? Where are you hurting? Where are you sad? Where are you lonely? Where are you in despair? Where do you have joy? Where do you have hope? Pour it out. See, what happens is if you pour the heart out, you know what God does? He pours in. When you and I don't pour the heart out, all we feel and all we experience is all these things that are still here. You have to pour the heart out so God can pour in. And some of us are not experiencing comfort because we haven't poured out the pain to him. Some of us haven't experienced provision yet because we haven't poured out to him. Some of us haven't received or experienced mending yet of relationships because you haven't poured out. But if you pour out, he will pour in. We have to get the things out of the way so he can pour his comfort in, his wisdom resource I made for myself because I needed to pour my heart out. And so I read this in Psalm 6210. I said, hey, I need to pour my heart out. And so if you scan that QR code, or if you email me at rick at comeclosemministries.org, um, or if you go to comeclosemministries.org slash free, any of those things, I have a free resource for you. You'll get this prayer guide about how to pour the heart out. And if you pour the heart out, what happens is you find God's comfort. I had to do this in my life because I had experienced um, lots and lots of woes in the last four years. It was blow after blow after blow after blow. And it just began to build on the inside. And when I saw I got to pour my heart out, I found a way to pray and tell the Lord about the ways and the things I was feeling. And when I have experienced that in my life, I found peace that I wasn't getting. And I found comfort I wasn't getting. But then I started sharing it with people. I had a guy who came up to me about a month ago, and he said, I am so angry, and I don't know how to get out of it. And I gave him this prayer guide. And the next week I saw him, he's like, I have so much peace, 
I didn't know I could have. It's a simple thing. But if you will pour the heart out, the Lord will pour his heart in. May you experience the God of all comfort who cares for every need in your life. If you care about it, he cares about it because he cares about you. There isn't a thing happening he doesn't know about. There isn't a thing happening he can't speak into. There isn't a thing happening he can't move in. He's just waiting for you and me to cry out. And he will turn a tale of woe into a tale of woe. Look what my God did. And may you see your woes turned into woe. In Jesus' name, amen.